Welcome to the Art of Getting Your Shit Together podcast, where each week we help you identify the bullshit that's holding you back and discover the courage to take action to create a life you love and enjoy. All right. Well, today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite things to talk about. And it's pretty much all I ever talk about anymore these days. I can't believe people are still my friend. It's the Enneagram. (laughs) (laughs) You do talk about it a lot, but it's not like like a deal breaker. um, Can we talk about something else? (laughs) (laughs) I can't. So now that I know what I know, I can't unknow what I know. So whatever. Here I am bringing it to you all. I had the opportunity to actually do a presentation on the Enneagram for a client. And I was like, hey, you know what? I really want to get an expert on. And that's still going to be happening. But in the meantime, I just thought I could give you all a little primer on the Enneagram, why I think it's so cool and amazing, and how it's changed my life and how I think it could definitely, for all of us who are into growth, and love knowing more about ourselves and doing a deep dive into why we do the things we do and why we're motivated certain ways and not other ways. This is like a game changer. Yeah. And I know you just did a recent deep dive on your Enneagram. It really is fascinating. And yeah. I've done all of the the personality assessments for work. I've done the disc assessment, the Briar, what is it? Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs, yeah. And... I think like two or three others, right? We get them like all the time. Mm -hmm. And this one was one of the more in depth Mm -hmm. that I've had. And even in my coach training, they had their own. They had their ELI, which is their, it's like where where you resonate in like your levels of energy. And it's a little too woo woo for me. So this one really, really resonates with you know, both my growth and personal development side and my leadership side and just the practicality of it. So it it like fills all those. Yeah, it's great. So for those of you who don't know what the Enneagram is, it is a personality test. It's an, actually an ancient personality system and it recognizes nine inherently different personality types that frame and describe the why behind what we think, do, and feel. So it's a map for self-discovery and personal growth, but it also kind of digs a little bit deeper than some of these other personality tests that we've taken in the past. And this is going to be a two-part thing because there's so much information. I even had a hard time like paring down the slides. Jake's like, you know, that's a lot of slides, right? (laughs) It's like, this is nothing, sweetie. (laughs) When I gave this presentation, he's like, okay. And he's an eight, which is a typical eight thing to say. Like, you better go fast because otherwise people are going to get bored, which is so – if you're an eight out there, you probably know and you know your number and your tendencies. You know that that's so true. Yeah. So if you've ever seen the actual – there's a diagram. It's a circle. And there's arrows that are connecting. If you Google Enneagram diagram, you'll see it. And so all six of the numbers are in the circle. It kind of looks like a pentagram or something or Mm -hmm. I don't know, some weird satanic symbol, but it's not, I promise. Actually, there's a lot of religious organizations that use this in order to grow within your faith too. So if you are a person of faith, you could take a deeper dive and see how it connects to that. But the numbers are connected. Every single person has every number within themselves. So if you take a test and if you take like the ready test, which will tell you on a level of, you know, however many points, what number you fall within, our core tendency is our highest score. So if you take a test, that's going to be 
your core number and your core motivation. And the difference between the Enneagram and any other test is the Enneagram explores the underlying motivations of why you do what you do, not just what and how you do things, Mm -hmm. right? Not just how you show up, but why you show up that way, which I think is, that's what's so fascinating about the Enneagram. And that's what makes it so special. A couple of things that I do want to tell everyone before we get into the nitty gritty of each number is there is no personality one through nine that's better or worse than another. And this was important for me to realize and understand too, because as you go through and listen to certain personalities that are not you, you might have judgments and you might be like, wow, that person really sounds like, (laughs) or that number sounds like, you know, a, a wet blanket or whatever it is. And maybe that's so, but no type is better or worse. There's highs and lows of human development in every number. And we need all nine types. It's important for every type to show up in their strengths because they have something good to contribute to humanity and society. So I don't want anyone thinking that there's a better number. There are certainly numbers that are more glorified in American society. We'll talk about that. It's extremely important to realize that you never want to use an Enneagram. The Enneagram is a tool to judge, profile, or make assumptions of another person. Again, there's different levels within the Enneagram. There's healthy, there's average, and there's unhealthy. You know, I'll talk a little bit about that, but just because somebody might be in an unhealthy space, that doesn't mean that you get to judge or it's not different than just regular life, right? We want to make sure that we're we all have phases showing up with chapters and we all sometimes go through shit that we just aren't able to show up the way we want to. Hundred percent. And this is a tool that if used correctly, you can have an amazing personal connection with it. It's like a self-discovery tool that when you use it with empathy, you can actually, and you know about other people's numbers, you can actually connect with them on a deeper level too. And you can understand. I think that's one of the keys is that self-discovery piece Mm -hmm. and being, being gracious about it of the new awareness where you can shift. Yeah. And so one of the things that it seems like, I know Ian Morgan Cron, he wrote the book, The Road Back to You. And he talks about in the book, he actually says, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about our weaknesses in the Enneagram. We spend a lot of time talking about our blind spots. And the reason is that focusing on our blind spots and our weakness is critical for growth. So while it may seem negative to actually talk a lot about the things that are bad, and I'm using bad in air quotes, about your personality, it's really the first step in awareness of the things that may be holding you back or the things that you know, might not be allowing you to show up as your best so that you can show up better and you can recognize them easier and you can accept that part of you as just the part of you and then move on and grow, right? Mm -hmm. You can't grow unless you know if you have a baseline of where your highs and lows are, right? Yeah. It's hard to change anything unless you have a place to measure it. Yeah. And once you know better, you do better. Mm -hmm. So the Enneagram is set up into like three sections and in the show notes, I'll actually put a picture of the Enneagram and the way that it's set up. I'm looking at a diagram right now. It doesn't really help you, but basically numbers eight, nine, and one are in the instinctive or anger triad. Numbers two, three, and four are in the feeling, the heart center, and their main emotion is shame, their underlying emotion. And five, six, and seven are the thinking or the head center, and they are motivated by fear. Each triad, each of the three numbers will express that emotion, anger, shame, or fear 
whatever, you know, their respective emotion in a different way. One number will deny that they even, it even exists. Another number will act out on it or not act out, but like they physically manifest that thing. And the other number will try to conceal it Mm -hmm. and try to control it. And so that's what the centers are. There's also stress and release points. So when you look at an Enneagram circle, you see arrows that connect the numbers in a very methodical way. And what that means is certain numbers will go to another number under a stress. And usually it's the unhealthy parts of that other number. And then they will go to under a release or growth. They'll go to another number, the good parts of another number. So as a six, for example... I believe I go to three under stress and I go to nine under growth. Mm-hmm. Do you know what yours are? I go to six for growth and I don't know where I go for stress. Let's I see. You're a three, a nine. Nine, yeah. Yeah. So you're like the opposite of – we're like opposites. Flip-flop. Weird. Yeah. Opposites and, attract. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then there's wings. So I'm not going to get into this deep, deep here, but there's wings. So – People think a lot of times that whatever their highest Enneagram number is your core number and then whatever the second highest number, that's your wing. That's not true. Your wing can only be the number to the direct right or left of you. So if you're a six, you can either be a six wing five or a six wing seven. If you're a three, you can only be a six or a three wing two or a three wing four. And what that means is you can take on the characteristics of the numbers to the right or left of you. And it can be fluid. Sometimes you could be a three wing two and sometimes you might be a three wing four. Or sometimes you might just be a straight up three and have no There's no fluctuation. There's there. no fluctuation. There's no like characteristics from the other numbers. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way. So I want to take you through each number, the high levels of each number, and kind of talk about the desire, the basic desire and motivation of each number, the basic underlying fear. I want to talk about their strengths and I want to talk about their blind spots. Cool. I'm excited about this. Yeah. I've only kind of dug into what mine are. I have a summary of everything, but because I've been two numbers. <laughs> yeah, you have been two numbers. <laughs> <laughs> My assessment I took twice, but yeah, I know you guys will love this and definitely encourage you to find out what your number is and then it's going to be great. So we're going to do numbers one through four in this episode. And part two, we'll do five through nine. Perfect. Yeah. So I'm going to start with number one, and each number has kind of like their name or kind of a characteristic of their the quality of that number that's kind of encompasses pretty much all of everything that the number is What's known abundant? for. Yeah. So number one is the perfectionist, and they are principled, they're purposeful, they're self-controlled, and they're very perfectionistic. And their quote is, we see what is wrong and we make it better. So if you know of any ones in your life, the people who are very perfectionistic, it might be a one. I have actually funny when I did the ready test, the number one was my second highest number, even though I'm a six and it's not my wing or anything, but I can certainly identify with a lot of these things. And as we go through and talk about these numbers, you probably will identify with certain parts of the numbers because we have all nine numbers within us. We just have one core number that is our main number. So the one is in the anger or the gut triad, the instinctive triad. And their basic desire and motivation is to be good, to have integrity, and to be balanced. Mainly the one's basic motivation is to be in control of themselves. And they're here to make the world a better place. They see things that need improvement and they're here to do the improving. 
and make the suggestions for the improvements. Their basic fear is of being incorrect or out of control. They do not like to relinquish control either, for that matter. Their gifts. So I want to start with talking about their strengths and the things that make ones so awesome. They're really principled. So they value integrity and they stand for what's right and good in the world. They have a very strong moral compass and ethical compass. They're going to be the ones who are standing up for what's right and wrong almost always. They have a really hard time coloring outside those lines as well. They're very reliable. So they see things through to the end. If you give a one a job, they're going to take it from start to finish and they're going to do it perfectly it might take them a while because they're going to do it perfectly. (laughs) They're very structured. So they're naturally very organized and they prioritize creating order. So they're very good at being project managers. And I mean, you think about your home organizers and people out there who love creating order and structure out of nothing. This is going to be like a one's jam. Mm -hmm. They're very objective. They can judge details, people and situations without much emotion. They can keep their emotions in check in these situations. So they also make very good leaders in that sense. And they're really obviously detail oriented. They love getting into the nitty gritty details and they also really love applying rules and procedures and SOPs to things. So they're very structured in that sense. They're blind spots. So they can be very rigid or impatient. They can be really picky and they can lose patience if things aren't done their way. So they can have also very little tolerance for the way other people do things because they think the way that they do it is the right way. (laughs) They don't have a very good poker face either. They can have pretty telling body language. So if something isn't going the way that they want it to, or if they're getting upset about something, they may be very unaware of how their anger, resentment, or irritation show up in their body language. So it might be quite obvious that you're pissing a (laughs) one-off. So... They can be kind of self-righteous. They can struggle to move from their own point of view and their own perspective on something. So they can think that, like I said, it's their way or the highway. They can think that their way is the right way. They're often workaholics. They have a hard time stopping because they want it to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So this, when we talk about other podcasts, we talk about B minus work. If it rubs you the wrong way, you might be a one. You're like, oh, hell no. B minus, not acceptable. Not acceptable (laughs) at all. No way. So they can work long hours to ensure everything is perfect. And I think with ones, an underlying thing is they may have been told as children that, or they may have been kind of held to really high standards as children, or they may have had perfectionistic parents. And when those kind of rules for life were applied to them, they thought that's how they gained and love and respect from other people was to be perfect. They have a difficult time letting go sometimes. Again, letting go and letting other people take control of the reins and doing something that isn't done their way. Yeah. Yeah. So how to lead and work with ones. So again, they're meticulous, they're hardworking, they're reliable. They're motivated by the need to perfect themselves and the world. So a couple things that you can do, you can leverage a one's remarkable talent for quickly spotting mistakes to improve things. They're very good at that. They value clarity. So you can also explain exactly how you want a job done and then give them deadlines. So if you have ones on your team or you have coworkers that are ones, these are good things to kind of know. Don't allow them to put off starting or completing a project. 
because they fear that they won't do it perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) And don't let a one redo work they think others have failed to do right the first time. And I'm like, see, this is where I'm like, ooh, I can totally identify with some of those things because I definitely have a hard time letting go of control and I, I can have perfectionistic tendencies. And even if this isn't your core number, it's good to know these things because you might need to kind of recognize that and let go a little bit. So that's the one. And then we have the two. So we're moving into a different triad now with the two. The two is considered the helper. Twos are easy to recognize because they're kind of the lovers of the Enneagram. They're the ones who are really warm. They're very they feel like home in a sense. And they're always trying to like do things and make you feel comfortable and they want you to feel good, right? They're the ones who make you feel all warm and fuzzy. They're very generous. They're very affectionate. They're people pleasers and they have a very good way of being empathetic and they can be, they can connect easily with other people. And their quote is, we see where to help out and we say yes. So again, they are in the feeling and shame triad. So feeling heart-centered, they're very touchy-feely, lovey people. And by touchy-feely, I don't necessarily mean like they're going to touch you and and like grope you or anything (laughs) like that. I just mean like that's like the warm, fuzzy feelings you get from the two. Their underlying motivational feeling is shame. And their basic desire and motivation is to feel loved, needed, and appreciated. And this is expressed by being extremely attentive to the needs of others. Their basic fear is being unwanted or unloved. They may believe that love is only gained and earned by serving others. Mm. Twos have a tendency to serve and they like to think that it's selfless. However, it truly is not selfless because they are expecting love in in return for Mm -hmm. that, right? But they don't realize that. It's completely subconscious. They don't understand that's what they're doing. So the gifts of the two, they're very warm. They're easy to connect with because they're very likable people. These are going to be your door greeters and the people at your company or your job or your friends who are always welcoming new people into the circle and making others feel really good. They're very giving. They give generously of themselves and they anticipate the needs of others very easily. They're people-centered. They focus on building all the relationships. So they're really great in sales roles too because they just love building teams and relationships and helping others. They are very praising. So you will feel really good in the direct vicinity of a two because they're going to give you all kinds of compliments and just make you feel like a million bucks all the time. They're also really empathetic. They understand easily and share feelings with others. These are all amazing the reasons we love to so much. Some of their blind spots, however, is they need constant approval from others. They can get caught up and unable to move forward in things if they don't have approval from others. They can also overstep boundaries. They can come on a little strong (laughs) (laughs) to achieve feeling needed and loved. I think Ian Morgan Cron in his book, he tells a story about this too, who saw this family needed a new car and she went out and like bought this family a new car. And then she got really resentful of the fact that this family didn't appreciate the fact that she bought them a new car. (laughs) And they're like, this is like kind of crazy. Who does this? Who buys people new cars? Yeah. Twos. 
(laughs) Not all too. So this is like when I say we have like healthy levels of the Enneagram average and then unhealthy, these are when you can fall into the more unhealthy tendencies and your blind spots kind of can come through. So not all twos are like this, by the way, either. Not all twos share the same qualities and any of the numbers share like all of the gifts and all of the blind spots. So there may be some blind spots in your number and you're like, I don't identify with that at all. And that's okay. So twos can have a tendency to really easily overextend themselves because they're always wanting to please everybody. They have a really hard time saying no. They can get easily offended. They have a really hard time taking criticism and they give to get. Like I said earlier, they can keep score and they have the expectation of getting something in in return of giving Mm -hmm. so much of themselves. How to lead and work with twos. So do leverage a two's highly developed interpersonal skills by encouraging them to be where they thrive. A lot of customer and people contact. They want your approval. So frequently express appreciation for them and all they do. This is amazing too. If you have a spouse or a child that's a two and you know they're a two, express a lot how much you love and appreciate them because that's really going to help them feel safe, secure, And it's going to put their fears at ease, Mm -hmm. if you will. They have a hard time saying no. So don't take advantage of them and don't ask too much of them because they're not going to want to tell you no. And this, I think we need to keep in mind too, if we know that we have friends that are twos or anyone else, employees that are twos, they have a really hard time saying no. So don't put them in positions where they have to overextend themselves if you can help it. And then you know, harshly criticizing them. You want to, obviously, if you have feedback for a two, you want to pull them aside and do it privately and and do it carefully so that you don't hurt their feelings. Still validate them so they feel valued when you're giving them any kind of feedback. Twos are amazing. Again, I love twos because I, selfishly, they make me feel so good, you know, and they are like the givers of the world. And I think that's really where they shine. So the three, who's a three? You're a three. So the three is the competitive achiever. (laughs) I still laugh at it. I'm like, you're competitive? I'm not. (laughs) Like I said, you might not identify with every part of your number. That's okay. So the competitive achiever, the three. So they're very adaptable. They're very ambitious. They're very driven. They're very image conscious. We get stuff done 24-7, 365. What else do you need? That's their quote, which – I feel like that's you. Mm -hmm. The three is still in the feeling, the heart center of the triad and their underlying emotion is shame. Their basic desire and motivation is to feel valuable and worthwhile. And this is demonstrated by them having to become what they believe a valuable, successful person is or is like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They are defined a lot by their successes or they define themselves a lot by their successes. Their basic fear is feeling or being worthless and failing. Those are the two big fears of the three. She's nodding her head. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Their subconscious belief that in order to be worthy, they must succeed or be perceived as successful, which is what plays into that fear of failure. So here's some of the amazing things that we love about threes. They're very ambitious. When I said earlier that in America, we kind of, put certain numbers on a pedestal. The threes and the eights are the two 
whether the most prized in America or the most stereotypical American success stories because they're the most mm-hmm. driven on the Enneagram, right? They're the ones who are going to go after the things that they want and they're going to strive to always be the best at what they take on. And so the three is definitely that. They're very efficient. They're resourceful and they know how to do things efficiently and productively. They are very, very driven. They're high energy and they have great enthusiasm. They get things done and they help push others to do the same, which is what makes them great leaders. Yeah. Yeah. They are chameleons, so they can easily adjust to different situations whenever they need to. They're very adaptable. Um, This can also end up being kind of a... It's great. It's a strength and it can be a superpower, but it can also be a downfall for a three because they can end up kind of not knowing really who they are truly at their core because they're always adjusting to other situations Mm -hmm. so that they can fit in in that moment. Yep. They're also very results oriented. They set goals, apply themselves, and they achieve their goals. So if you know any goal getters out there, people who have a great time, they love setting goals and they love breaking it down and achieving them, they're probably a three. So a couple of things for threes that we need to be mindful of. They're blind spots. They can have a tendency to be image focused and they can focus too heavily on their own personal image and how they're perceived by others. Mm -hmm. And it can end up being a bit of a hang up where they don't want to come across in a certain way where they're they're always thinking about how they're going to be perceived. Well, it makes sense because if threes value the image of success and what that means to them, they want to be viewed as successful. Yep, exactly. We can take any of our strengths or any of our weaknesses and flip-flop them and make them superpowers or weaknesses, right? And so it can be a really good thing if you're trying to climb the ladder and you're trying to be successful and you're very obvious and self-aware of how you're coming across. But if it goes too far, it can trip you up, Yep. right? Yep. So they can also have a really difficult time accepting failure. So even though they love setting goals and achieving them, when they are faced with failure, it's something they're like, you know, we're just not going to accept this. They're either going to keep charging through or they, it can actually stop them dead in their tracks and then be a little bit paralyzed for a minute until they set a new goal and figure out a way to move past it. They have a tendency to avoid their feelings. They deny, avoid, or lose touch with their own feelings. And since they do this with their own selves, they can be perceived like that with other people where they can feel distant and emotionally like cut off sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so weird. It's weird for me to talk about your number to you. Um <laughs> They can be overly competitive. This is one thing that you are not for sure. I don't think you are. Maybe you are within yourself, but I don't see it with others. Yeah. Maybe you are at work. I don't, I don't identify with being competitive. No. But if I want to achieve and be successful in the way that I see that, then yeah, I'd, I would have to be competitive in that arena. Yeah. But not like that aggressive competitive nature. No. Like you might think of what that word means. Like, yeah. Yeah. So – They can also be perceived as insensitive. Like I said earlier, since they deny their own feelings, they can come across a little insensitive to others because they might not be as readily empathetic to others sometimes. If you work with, if you're married to, if you have a child, any the do's when you're interacting with threes, they want to win. So you would want to set clear goals for them at work and success measurements. You want to help them set goals. Like if they're your child or they're your spouse, they probably want maybe some 
respect or some acknowledgement of those goals and the fact that they do love doing that? And then how can you be supportive of them to achieve those goals? At work, they're the ones who, if maybe not always, but most of the time that if there is a reward or a bonus or an incentive, they're the ones who are going to go for that. So if you're in an environment where, especially as a parent with kiddos, you can maybe, I don't think it's bribery. I'm going to call it incentives. <laughs> you can use incentives to advance them or to help them keep going and achieving their goals. Think of a sticker chart. That might be yeah. helpful for a three. Yeah. That's not me. Yeah. No. See, I didn't think that either. So you obviously don't want to allow threes to cut corners. They can end up wanting to get things done fast and they can be like, fuck this. I'm going to go around this person. I'm going to go around this person. I'm going to just get to my goal right there. Get it done. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Yep. Path of least resistance, baby. And so in the workplace, if you're a manager or if you have any kind of processes, you want to make sure that those stay intact because threes have a tendency to want to just like go around the cones. Don't let threes run over others on the way to the goal line. (laughs) They can be like, get out of my way or you're getting run over. But we love threes. Threes are so good. They're good for everybody. Okay. So the four. Four is the individualist. They are still within the same triad of the heart center feeling and their core emotion is shame. They're very expressive, creative, sensitive, and unique. Their sentence or their quote is, we make the world and its people beautiful. Make sure you let us feel all of it. So fours are going to be the most in tune with their feelings and the most unafraid of their feelings on the Enneagram. They're very creative and they're very expressive of their own internal world and their emotions. So if you think about a lot of actors and a lot of writers and a lot of novelists are four because they have a very rich internal emotional landscape. Their basic desire is to find themselves and their significance. So fours can have a tendency to kind of feel lost in the world or like they just don't quite belong or fit in. They struggle a lot of times with feeling inadequate and they can't pinpoint it. It's almost just like this lost feeling. And so if you feel like that, and if you are a four, I feel like a lot of fours that realize that feel validated. Like, oh my gosh, there isn't something wrong with me. This is just a normal part of my personality. Their basic fear is that they don't matter or have significance in the world. And they try to control that shame by focusing on how unique and special their talents and personal characteristics are. Yes. Yeah. So they're gifts. They're very self-aware. I have a really close friend that's a four. And it's funny because I didn't know she was a four until she told me she was a four. And I'm like, oh man, you are a four. She's very self-aware, aware of their own emotions and those around them. And they seek to understand and connect with others. They're very purpose-driven. So they want to do meaningful work and they want to make a larger contribution to the world. And they are going to be the ones who are on the front lines of activism. They're not going to back down from a fight because they want to do the right thing and they want to make their mark on the world. They're very inspired. They get creative and they can really be very visionary with their imaginations. They're very sensitive. So they're very feeling-based and they have a very heightened sense of intuition. And it means they're really highly in tune to their environment and what's going on around them. They're also really courageous. They don't shy away from hard feelings or hard things. Even though it can trip them up, they are kind of full blast, full on into the feelings. I love that. 
I know a four and I met her in my coach training and she became a resiliency coach. So it's all about like overcoming like the worst things. And she's just suffered like great loss in her life. And she recently interviewed me for her Twitch account and their message is unstoppable heroes. And she used to be an actress. (laughs) Really? That's so so interesting. She's so in tune with everything. I love that you're reading this because I don't know much about fours, but everything that you're saying just says everything about her. Cause she's so, she just so, has such a heightened awareness about other people and their energy and her environment and the energy of the environment. She makes just the best coach because of that. She's yeah. just fantastic. That's amazing. And honestly, I, at first when I was listening to Ian Morgan Cron's book, um, the road back to you, I was like, man, fours kind of sound like a drag. And then I'm like, you know what? Now that I know a four, I'm like, they're probably one of my favorite numbers on the Enneagram now because of the fact that this person, I don't know if she listens to this podcast, but if she does, she'll know who I'm talking about. She is no bullshit. She'll say exactly what she feels. She'll stick up for the underdog and she has no problem just being herself. Mm-hmm. And she, I think the other day, okay, so let me go into the blind spots and I'll tell you another story about my interaction with my forefriend. But so they can have a tendency to be withdrawn so they can shut down and withdraw in times of difficulty. They do feel their feelings, but they're still human and they can still have a a tendency to have a really hard time with the tough stuff. They can get fixated on things, especially on the things that they don't have. They can end up having a tendency to be just a little self-absorbed just because they're so rich into their own internal emotional environment, it can come across as a little bit into themselves. Mm-hmm. They have a tendency to have very strong reactions and they may react very strongly to hardship and difficult emotional situations. Like I said, they are courageous and they'll face it head on, but it doesn't mean that it's not hard for them. Yeah. And they can have a tendency to be more on the melancholy side. So I think fours end up being a little bit more affected or have a tendency to kind of go into bouts of depression. I mean, if you can imagine not feeling like you really can pinpoint why you don't feel like you belong somewhere, I imagine that can add to a great amount of depression. And I think that knowing this, if you are a four, can set you free because it's just the way that your personality is. And when you know that, again, you can do better and you can Mm -hmm. go, oh, you know what? I recognize this feeling. This is just part of my four. And here are the things that I can do to feel better and maybe contribute to the world so that I do feel like I have a place and I can find significance in that way. Absolutely. And it's funny because couple of things and like do's and don'ts with fours. So let fours express their creativity, depth, aesthetic, sensibility, and distinct style. Make sure that they know that you understand and respect their unique perspective, creativity, and special contribution to the team or the world. Encourage them to balance their emotional depth with more critical thinking. So they can end up getting, you know, so emotional that the whole like critical thinking goes out the window. And so you want to, if you're leading them or if you have a child that's a four. You want to bring them back to reality a little bit and ground them. Don't minimize a four's feelings or tell them to cheer up when they're down. It'll only exacerbate the problem. And so I asked my friend, I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) have I ever told you to like cheer up or get over it? And she's like, no. And that's one of the things that I just love about our friendship is you just let me be me. 
And I was like, oh, thank God. But avoid criticizing them by negatively comparing them to other people. A lot of times fours are already in that huge comparison game because, again, they don't feel like they quite fit where they're supposed to be. And so they're always kind of looking to other people and comparing themselves with others. Mm -hmm. So that's one through four. I love it. I think I'm a three wing four. Yeah. That's cool. I might be. I need to go back and look at it, but I can't remember all the numbers. I feel like like succeeded. I would have thought right away that you were a three wing two since you're a coach. Well, I felt that way. You might go fluidly between the two. I think I go... I think some of my four is probably some of my more negative, maybe comparison a little yeah. bit, but that's maybe my competitiveness too. Threes do that too though. So yeah. When I first went through all this, I thought I was a three wing two after I found out I was a three mm-hmm. from my former eight. <laughs> right. But going through that, I was like, oh, but yeah, like you said, you identify with a little bit of everything, but yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking back, yeah, I'm probably more of a three wing two. Yeah, and I, I think can exhaust myself helping people, but I'm also but you also melancholy. have melancholy. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that's that's the beauty about knowing your number and knowing that you can kind of swing between the two wings. Yeah. You can be fluid within your wings, and yeah. I think that's cool. So you kind of feel more of a four one day and maybe other days you feel more of your helper too, and I think yeah. that's great. So if you again, if you're a one through four, or if you can think you might be a one through four, we're going to put in the show notes where you can go and take the test. I encourage people to not do the free tests just because they can be not as thorough and they don't really get to the core of who you are. I know, Lindsay, you took the paid $12 test and you got the wrong result. And that can happen too. I had another friend who took it and I was like, you were definitely not a three or for sure a six. (laughs) You were absolutely a six. But anyway, I would do the $12 test. We can put the link to the show notes. Ian Morgan Cron has two amazing tests. They're more expensive. If you're the type of person who wants to invest money into an amazing personality test, we will put those in the show notes. But they start at $60, and I think the more expensive one is $120. Certainly don't expect anyone to go do that, but I found it extremely insightful and helpful. Um, Same here, and I've done both. And Yeah, and the $120 test is the one where you found out that you're actually a three. Yeah. And you resonated way more with that number. Yes. Yeah. It made much more sense. And if you end up taking a test and you're tied for a certain number, there is no tie, you're one or the other, I would go into the instinctual like motivation. Like, are you, do you think that you're motivated by the whole, are you more of a feeler? You know, you think your underlying emotion might be shame. Are you more of a, you know, gut instinct type person? Or are you more of like a fear-based, like in your head, analytical thinker? Mm-hmm. That when I was workshopping this with my client, when I did the presentation, that ended up helping people kind of decipher, am I a three or am I a six? Am I a eight or am I a three? I don't know. You know, like yeah. eights and threes, they have different underlying motivations. The threes, they're very similar. They're often mistyped, for example, like when you were told you were an eight. It's very common for threes and eights to get mistyped because a lot of their core things are similar. It's the underlying motivation that's different. Yep. So the threes are the feelers and the eights are more of the instinctual. They're the anger triad, the angry people. I'm not. I used to be angry. Not anymore. Yeah. (laughs) So next week, we're going to bring you numbers five through nine. So if you were a five, six, seven, eight, nine, 
We're going to bring those over to you. You're going to know more about that. If you don't know your number, go take your test so that you can come back to the podcast and either re-listen to this one or tune in next week when we go through the rest of the numbers. I'm excited. I'm excited too because you know what? I'm a six. I get to talk about me next yes. week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Because well, we know you, it's all about me. No. Yes. <laughs> no, it's so good. All right. We will see you next week. Adios. The Art of Getting Your Shit Together is produced and edited by LD Coaching and Blush Cactus Boutique Design Studio. We would love it if you'd head over to iTunes and subscribe, leave us five stars, and write a quick review. If you enjoy this podcast, share it with your friends so that we can continue to grow our tribe. Tag us on Instagram at tagist underscore podcast with your shares, and we'll feature you on our story. Don't forget to grab our free guide, five things you can do right now to get your shit together and start living your best life over at tagist.com slash kick more ass. Remember, your life only gets better when you decide to grow, and it's never too late to get your shit together.